Good morning. The reading today is taken from Judges chapter 6, verses 11 to 40. That's on page 248 in our church Bibles. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Ophrah that belonged to Joash the Abizrite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a winepress to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. The Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh and I am the least in my family. The Lord answered, I will be with you and you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. Gideon replied, if now I have found favor in your eyes, give me a sign that it is really you talking to me. Please do not go away until I come back and bring my offering and set it before you. And the Lord said, I will wait until you return. Gideon went inside, prepared a young goat, and from an ephah of flour, he made bread without yeast. Putting the meat in a basket and its broth in a pot, he brought them out and offered them to him under the oak. The angel of God said to him, take the meat and the unleavened bread, place them on this rock, and pour out the broth. And Gideon did so. Then the angel of the Lord touched the meat and the unleavened bread with the tip of the staff that was in his hand, Fire flared from the rock, consuming the meat and the bread, and the angel of the Lord disappeared. When Gideon realized that it was the angel of the Lord, he exclaimed, Alas, sovereign Lord, I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. But the Lord said to him, Peace, do not be afraid, you are not going to die. So Gideon built an altar to the Lord there and called it, The Lord is Peace. To this day, it stands in Ophrah of Abba's rites. That same night, the Lord said to him, take the second bull from your father's herd, the one seven years old, tear down your father's altar to Baal and cut down the Asherah pole beside it. Then build a proper kind of altar to the Lord your God on the top of his height, using the wood of the Asherah pole that you cut down offer the second bull as a burnt offering. So Gideon took 10 of his servants and did as the Lord told him. But because he was afraid of his family and the townspeople, he did it at night rather than in the daytime. In the morning when the people of the town got up, there was Baal's altar demolished with the Asherah pole beside it cut down and the second bull sacrificed on the newly built altar. They asked each other, who did this? When they carefully investigated, they were told Gideon, son of Joash, did this. The people of a town demanded of Joash, 
Bring out your son, he must die, because he has broken down Baal's altar and cut down the Asherah pole beside it. But Joash replied to the hostile crowd around him, Are you going to plead Baal's cause? Are you trying to save him? Whoever fights for him shall be put to death by morning. If Baal really is God, he can defend himself when someone breaks down his altar. So because Gideon broke down Baal's altar, they gave him the name Jerubbaal that day, saying, let Baal contend with him. Now all the Midianites, Amalekites, and other eastern people joined forces and crossed over the Jordan and camped in the valley of Jezreel. Then the spirit of the Lord came to Gideon and he blew a trumpet, summoning the Abrazites to follow him. He sent messages throughout Manasseh, calling them to arms, and also into Asher, Zebulun, and Naphtali, so that they too went up to meet them. Gideon said to God, if you will save Israel by my hand, as you have promised, look, I will place a wool fleece on the threshing floor. If there is dew only on the fleece and all the ground is dry, then I will know that you will save Israel by my hand, as you said. And that is what happened. Gideon rose early the next day. He squeezed the fleece and wrung out the dew, a bowl full of water. Then Gideon said to God, do not be angry with me. Let me make just one more request. Allow me one more test with the fleece, but this time make the fleece dry and let the ground be covered with dew. That night, God did so. Only the fleece was dry. All the ground was covered with dew. A long passage. Um, good morning. Good morning. It's great to see you all. Um, it's great. I've got, I've got family here today from both sides. Uh, I've got uh, my, my family and my dad. Have you just brought a dog into church? I don't know. But please excuse my father. I think he's just driven straight from Oxford to be here. So it's nice to have you. Uh, and I've got my family from the south of France as well. They, um, they were planning to come to my ordination yesterday. And uh, due to... Uh, Standard things in France, the air traffic control goes on strike. So uh, not to be deterred, they got in their car and drove from the border of Spain to Cambridge. So uh, I uh, yeah, give them a... So I'm uh, greatly appreciative of, of, of um, them making the journey here. Well, um, as you know, we're looking at Gideon, but before we do, I'm just going to, to pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We uh, thank you that um, you, you speak to us and you're calling to each of us and you long for us to, to change, to, to know you and to uh, follow you in our, in our life. And we ask that the, the words I speak now and as we look at your word, that it would just become real to us today. Amen. Now, do you ever look around and think, man, I'm kind of ordinary, did you ever do that? Uh, you know, you, you look at people and you look at and say, man, they're so gifted. You know, what do I have to offer in a place like this? You know, how could a person like me be used significantly for the Lord? Anyone feel like that? Do you want to stand up? No, just kidding. Don't worry. Uh, well, I want to encourage you this morning that the Bible is full of people just like that. 
there are ordinary people, or even less than ordinary, who, who God uses to do extraordinary things. And um, I want to let you know that no matter what stage of life you're in, if uh, whatever issues that are, are lying in front of you, how much you may think you lack in gifts, uh, ability, or, or knowledge, God desires to use you in extraordinary ways to expand his kingdom. And this morning, we're going to get some proof of that, really, from uh, as we look at the, uh, at the book of Gideon. Well, no, the person of Gideon. A man that went from living in fear, worry, and despair to being a mighty warrior for the Lord. So if you have a Bible or a phone or something, if you can turn back to Judges 6, and we'll, I have a PowerPoint as well. There you go. Um, so just to give you a little background of the story, because we didn't even read the entirety of it. Um, so after Joshua has led Israel to occupy the promised land, uh, the people of Israel served the Lord throughout his lifetime. But when Joshua and his generation died, Israel, they ended up, as usual, turning away from the Lord. And when we see through Judges, we see the kind of a repeated cycle of what happens. And this is the, the general cycle. We see God's blessing just being poured out onto his people. Then we see his people having a little bit of spiritual complacency and go, oh yeah, this is all nice. And they start forgetting about God and all that he's done for them. And then we see them turning into uh, to, to sin. So we were hearing about the Baals and they're worshiping Baal and, and following him. And then we see their suffering at the hands of the, their, their enemies, the surrounding nations. And eventually, there's a cry for help. And then we see God's deliverance through someone he's raised up, uh, a judge. In this case, we see Gideon. And Gideon is one of the people uh, that God is asking to, uh, to, to, speak into, to speak to Israel, to challenge Israel. Now, the time leading up to this specific event in Gideon 6, um, the events concerning Gideon are that Israel has been sinning, they've been turning to false gods, and the Lord has given uh, the, the um, uh, Israelites into the Midianites' hands. What would happen is the Midianites would come and they would attack and they would steal all their crops, and what the stuff they didn't steal, they would destroy. And this went on for seven years when God came to Gideon. And in the chapters we didn't read, we didn't finish the story, um, chapter 7 and 8, we see that uh, about 32,000 kind of fighting men came out to follow Gideon into battle to fight against 135 Midianites. Now, however, you know, God decided uh, to, to whittle that number from 32,000 men to just a mere 300 men who would fight against the Midianites. Now, this is like the equivalent of maybe a, I think a, a small country like Iceland, for example, taking on uh, a, a much larger nation. It, it's, maybe it's a bad illustration, but um, it is an unlikely scenario in most cases. And why did the Lord do this? Well, because God did not want Israel to go around and boast in their own great achievements. God wanted them to know that actually it was him, it was God who was watching over them, who was protecting them 
and they needed to trust in him. So I want to encourage you, maybe over the next week you want to read those extra two chapters on your own, but we're going to stop there, and we're going to take a look at several things that uh, God taught Gideon uh, before he became a great leader. And I think these are just real, really important lessons for us to learn of how we can be, uh, go from maybe ordinary to extraordinary for the Lord. So the first thing we need to learn is this. And we'll come on the PowerPoint. Focus on who God says we are instead of who society says we are. I couldn't work out how to make this really short and pithy, so you're just going to have to go with me. So uh, that's uh, the best I came up with. And so um, God, he's calling Gideon a mighty warrior. Now, in his society, Gideon, he was just like a, a nobody. His family was the weakest in his tribe, and he was the, the least in his family. So Gideon is saying, hey, God, you've got to be kidding me. You know, you, you've got it wrong. You don't know who I am. You know that, that poor family down the street? Well, you know that girl who lives in that family? Well, I'm like the gum on the bottom of her shoe. I am a nobody. God, you must have had this mistaken for someone else. Do you ever feel a little bit like a Gideon? You know, feel inadequate compared to the stronger or more gifted or more knowledgeable people around you. Maybe you are sitting here and you realize, actually, I'm struggling to uh, provide for my family or, or even yourself. Maybe you feel like Gideon and you're just barely trying to survive just to get through the day. Well, notice uh, where Gideon is. Yeah, he is in a, in a wine press. He is threshing wheat in a wine press. You know, in our cultural context limits uh, uh, our ability to fully understand what's going on here because we don't often do this. Well, a wine press in ancient Israel is like a, a, a large hole, well, it's not quite a small hole cut into a, a, a big stone. And uh, it would be far from an ideal place to thresh wheat. Typically, you know, wheat would be threshed in, a, in an open area. It'd be beaten and it would be trampled on to separate the wheat from the straw. And then it would um, be winnowed or kind of thrown in the air hope, and for the wind to take away the straw for the, for the good wheat to, uh, to drop to the ground. But Gideon, he, he's in a wine press that is surrounded on all sides. And, and there's even a tree near it. This is far from an ideal location to uh, be threshing wheat. But he's afraid. He, he's afraid of having his food stolen. He's afraid of the, the Midianites coming along and killing him. He's afraid of losing everything. So, so he's in a wine press, threshing wheat to, to keep hold of what little he has. Maybe, uh, in one sense, you are in a wine press right now. Maybe you're afraid of not being able to provide for your family. Maybe you're gripped by fear by what the future holds for you and your family. Maybe you feel you're like a nobody. Well, stop focusing on who you say you are and focus on what God says you are. You 
are a child of God. Say that again. You are a child of God. If you know Jesus today, if you've entrusted him with your life, uh, God says exactly that to each of you. You are his child. John 1.12 says this. Yet to all who receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Now you might know Jesus today, but struggle to believe this truth. Yet you found yourself getting comfortable and hiding in that wine press. You're afraid to go out, maybe because you're full of fear or anxiety about what the world uh, is going to do. But maybe... It's become comforting to hide behind some of those problems and worries in life than believing that actually something could change. Well, I want to say that this is not a godly way to live. And like Gideon, we need to, to learn obedience by stepping out into our true identity, into our true calling. So I want to encourage you Maybe more than that, I want to implore you to, to make a choice to get out of that wine press, to believe there is more on offer, to ask God to fill you with his Holy Spirit so you would start living out uh, the fact that you are a child of God. Sometimes, uh, my, one of my daughters, she often... Um, she, uh, she has moments of doubt that she's, she's worth anything. And I think this can be quite common for young girls. They can ha have those little moments. But uh, it breaks my heart. It truly breaks my heart. And where, did, where does it come from? So I tell her over and over again, you are the most wonderful person. You bring me just great joy. You are my beloved daughter. You are a child of God. And you know what? That's exactly what the Lord says over each of us. And we need to start believing it. If you've not started believing before, I want to encourage you. This is the moment. You need to start believing that to be true because it is. We may be saying, well, Ollie, not only do I feel like a nobody, but I don't even have the faith to believe God can use me. It's just I've got nothing. You know, it's just there's nothing there. Well, the second thing we need to learn is this. God is faithful when we are faithless. God is faithful when we are faithless. In Judges 16, uh, 6, 17, 24, we see Gideon. He's seeking out a sign to know for sure uh, that it's really God that is speaking to him. He wants to be sure that he's not mistaken about this call to go and save Israel. And so we see in Judges 6, verse 17, uh, chapter 6, verse 17, he says this. If now I have found favor in your eyes, give me a sign that it is really you talking to me. Please do not go away until I come back and bring my offering and set it before you. And the Lord said, I will wait for your return. That's very good of him. I don't know about you, but I'm... <clears throat> encouraged by passages like this. You know, it is okay to ask God, is this really you? you know, if so, just give me a sign. Give me a sign that it's you speaking to me. 
when uh, Lois and I we were planning to uh, come, move to Cambridge and work here uh, at HT, there were a number of moments where we were asking God, God, you know, are you really in this? If so, just give us a sign. And on one occasion, Lois and I were in search of a small kind of school, a little Church of England school for our, our kids to go to. And we also wanted a play group as well. And um, this is often a stressful situation, especially when you, you, you don't know the area and it's, you're having to come up little fleeting moments to have a look around and you're on the bottom of some list because you don't live here and it's all quite stressful. And after a number of visits to schools and plays groups, we came away feeling pretty, pretty disappointed because all the ones we wanted were full and all the other ones were just One weekend, uh, we were traveling up from Oxford to do some decorating in our house. And um, I remember sitting in the car and we saying, okay, look, saying to Lois, we just need to pray about this. We're going to pray into this. Okay, so I remember saying, Lord, uh, God, we don't have time to visit schools. We've got to paint. We haven't got the time to run around. But we ask that you give us a sign that this, uh, this weekend that we know where to send our kids to, that this is actually a place where you're calling us to come. So after a, a long weekend of painting and decorating, we're just about to leave, about to get in our car, and we bumped into uh, our neighbor. And I, you know, went up there and said hello. And um, she ended up asking us, you know, where are you sending your, your girls to school? I was like, well, we don't, we don't know. And then she told us that she was this, a governor of a brilliant little Church of England school down the road that had a, a playgroup connected to it, and she knew that there were spaces available for both of our girls. Now, we'd, we'd never even heard of this school. It was less than a mile away. It wasn't on our catchment. I don't know what that means. But, but in the end, we, just, we decided to go and visit this school. Really excited. You know, God, maybe this is a little sign. But before we left, my oldest daughter, she, she said to uh, my wife, she said, can you make sure there is a picture of Frozen in the school? <laughs> I was like, it's really not on my priorities of uh, what I'm looking for here, but uh, whatever. Okay. And um, strangest thing, <laughs> as you know, uh, as we walked into the school, this massive board right in the entrance area of just frozen characters all over it. It was like you're walking into Arendelle. It was a bit of a, bit of a nightmare. And my just heart's lifted. God was in it. And I know what you're thinking right now. What, did God really reveal himself using probably the most annoying film of the past decade? <laughs> well, it seems so. And um, my daughter, of one, was uh, extremely grateful. And um, it, it was just such an encouragement. We later found out the head teacher, she was a, a, a really wonderful Christian lady, and so was Amelie's uh, uh, new teacher-to-be. And it was just a sign that, wow, God is good. He's, he's, he's looking out for our, uh, us, and he's, uh, he's preparing good things for us. And for Gideon, in this passage, he wanted proof, a sign that God was really speaking to him. And God he gave him just that. But he needed more. It wasn't enough to know it was God speaking to him, or the fact that God raised him up to have a mighty army. He needed to have faith to be encouraged to do the work. So in Judges uh, 6.36, it says this. Gideon said to God, If you will save Israel by my hand as you have promised, look, I will place a wool fleece on the threshing floor. 
If there is dew only on the fleece and all around the ground is dry, then I will know that you will save Israel by my hand, as you said. And that is what happened. Gideon rose early the next day. He squeezed the fleece and wrung out the dew, a bowl full of water. Then Gideon said to God, do not be angry with me. Uh, let me just uh, one more request. Allow me one more test with the fleece. Uh, this time, make the fleece dry and the ground covered with dew. That night, God did so. Only the fleece was dry. All the ground was covered with dew. You know, Gideon had a pretty small amount of faith. And maybe you're sitting here going, yes, I can relate with that man. That, uh, and you know what? You may think you have no faith at all, but I want to encourage you that God will use whatever small amount of faith to do mighty things. You know, whatever mustard seed of faith, the Lord will use it. And he, he is patient with us, even in our, in our lack of faith. 2 Timothy 2.13 says this, If we are faithless, he will remain faithful, for he cannot disown himself. We don't see God rebuke Gideon for his lack of faith. We see God just patiently helping him work in his life to grow his faith. God knew exactly where Gideon was at. Uh, and God knows exactly where you are at. God is patiently working to grow your faith. And for Gideon, he knew exactly what God was calling him to do. What he needed was that encouragement to go ahead and to live out that calling. Uh, yesterday, as we said, you know, I, I was priested. I was ordained as a priest. And it, it's taken six long years, actually, to get to this stage. And over that time, I've known this is what I was called to do. It, it's just uh, something inside me. I just knew it. But knowing your calling and actually going ahead with it is... Um, a different thing, and um, you, they, they, they lock you in a, a, a pretty average building for three days before you're priesthood, just to make you sweat it out, I think, and to really think about what you're about to commit to, and uh, um, it's, it's hard, and you go, oh my goodness, is this really what you wanted me to do, Lord, seriously, and you get cold feet, and, uh, but, in, you know, you, I made it, and it came through, it's kind of like going through detox, but in the end, I, I've come out, and... Um, <clears throat> What I found out is that God never calls us to things without equipping us to do the job. This last week, I was reading about Corrie ten Boon and her sister Betsy, who were Christians, women in Holland when World War II erupted. And they decided to, to hide fleeing Jews from the Nazis, and they rescued many. But they were eventually captured and taken to... Ravensbrück uh, concentration camp. Uh, Betsy died there, but Corrie miraculously survived to bear witness to the way that God can save, heal, and forgive. And she tells the story when she was a little girl, and when she went to her father, and she said this, Daddy, I'm afraid that I will never be strong enough to be a martyr for Jesus Christ. Tell me, said father, when you take a train to Amsterdam, when do I give the money for the ticket? Three weeks before, 
no, Daddy, you give me the money for the ticket just before we get on the train. That is right, my father said. And so it is with God's strength. Our Father in heaven knows when you'll need the strength to be a martyr for Jesus Christ. He will supply all you need in just the right time. That is true for all who follow Jesus. If you need encouragement in what you've been called to do, no matter how difficult that may be, then know that God is faithful, even if you feel you have no faith at all. And my third and final thing we need to learn from this passage is to expect to be challenged privately before being used publicly. See, God wants uh, Gideon's faith to grow, That's, and, he's, and he's doing that. But he does that by using the faith that he's already given him. And he always starts by using smaller things that are close to home, personal to us. For Gideon, he tells him to tear down his family's altar to Baal and build a new altar to the Lord and to uh, make a sacrifice there. So God starts to grow Gideon's faith in, in what was directly in front of him before he, he decides to use him to do even greater things, bigger things, in, in, such as defeating uh, Israel's enemies. Now maybe you're here and you desire to be used by God. If so, that is brilliant. But you need to know that God is going to test you in, in, uh, in that desire by starting to challenge your character in smaller and maybe more personal uh, ways before using you in more public ways. Gideon, tear down that altar to Baal. What is the Lord challenging you to do? Maybe he's challenging you in, uh, in your character. Maybe there are uh, private sins that we, we are doing to ourselves and others that we need to repent of. Maybe it's, um, it's alcohol. Maybe you're drinking too much. Maybe it's pornography. Maybe it's things that you're speaking and the lying tongue or gossip. Maybe it's unfaithfulness in marriage or in other areas. God is going to challenge you in the private life before using you uh, in, 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 a, in more of a public way. It might not be about your personal integrity, but maybe God is challenging you to serve uh, in, in small and unnoticed ways. It's not always glamorous, but, uh, and you don't always get credit for it, but the Christian leadership always starts with service. The day uh, before I was ordained, and this would have happened to Stuart yesterday, uh, the bishop comes to meet all the new ordinands, and he, he washes their feet. And it's a really humbling sight, seeing the bishop on his knees washing their feet. And he does this to demonstrate the attitude of Christ. That, that as Christian leaders are those who are not just to take you know, high positions, but to serve in the lowliest jobs. Are you serving now? If not, how about filling one of those cards in, in the pews and, and ask how you can serve? We have amazing setup teams, as you saw in that video, and welcome, and children's church helpers, and maybe you can be more active in your home group. Whatever it is, just think, how can I be serving uh, in my, maybe my community around me or, or the community uh, in this church? Take a step of service. Or maybe the Lord has challenged you in the, in the act of obedience. 
like Gideon, who had to whittle down his army from 32,000 men to 300 before fighting this giant army, God may be asking you to make a costly sacrifice that you can trust him to provide. Only you know what the Lord is challenging you to do. The question is, are you willing to let him have control? Just uh, listen to this promise in Proverbs 3. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him and he will make your path straight. I want to invite the band to, to come up. And um, I believe God is in the business of changing ordinary people's lives to do extraordinary things. And uh, it's part of the package that when you come to know Jesus that, uh, and you're filled with the Holy Spirit, then your life will change and God will start using you. And over the last few weeks, uh, we, we, we had some testimonies, didn't we, of, of, of people who've seen that transformation while they've been here at HT. And I, I wrote a few more down. Um, Here's one. Um, Six years ago, I came to faith at Holy Trinity on the Alpha Course, and every day since has been blessed. The one. HT was where I met God properly for the first time, through times of worship and ministry. He has changed me so much over these years here. Another one. Lord, thank you for making the knowledge that you love me go from my head to my heart. Finally, another one. I've been so blessed by HT during my six years here as a student. I've been challenged and changed and encouraged to make my life for Christ and Christ-centered. I believe there are going to be there are many more stories uh, that the Lord wants to do in, in our lives and to taking kind of our ordinary life to do extraordinary things. Gideon goes from hiding in, in, a, in a hole full of fear and anxiety uh, and being raised up to becoming a mighty warrior from the Lord. And today, the Lord can do the same thing to us. Are you willing? Well, if you are, then maybe like Gideon, ask God to help you to overcome some of those lies that are maybe thrown over you about that you've got nothing to offer, that you're not good enough, that you're too sinful, whatever it is. But instead, to come out of hiding and start to believe what God says you are, who you are, that you are uh, a child of God, that you have immeasurably great value to our loving creator who longs to use you in extraordinary ways. What, what I want to do now is to, Ed and the band, they're just going to um, uh, sing a song, a worship song. And we're going to listen to the lyrics. We can uh, maybe read them on the screen and maybe make that a bit of your response right now. To believe those words to be true, that we are a child of God. And if that's something, kind of a fear and anxiety that you have right now, that you don't believe you can be used, then maybe just bring this to the Lord right now. So let's just take a moment.